You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Hello, Colts fans, and welcome to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. My name is Joe Hopkins. Joining me is Mike Chappell via the power of the internet. Dave Griffiths is out covering the NCAA tournament. Ever heard of it? So he will not be able to join us today. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. The NFL is in the midst of a free agent frenzy. Uh, there was a huge trade that happened late last week that completely shakes up the top of the NFL draft. Um, but before we dive into it, Mike, of course, how are you doing today? Alive and well in Beach Grove. So uh, trying to keep, you know, on top of what all is going on in the Colts. These first few days, as usual, is very busy. And the Colts have been more busy than I think we thought they would be. At least us. I know there's some people on Twitter uh, pulling their hair out right now, but this was to be expected if you've been paying attention to what Chris Ballard well, has they, been they've doing. Had about, they've had about 10 player moves. I mean, you know, come on. <laughs> exactly. You've got a few notifications on your phone there. Let's go ahead and start with the trade. The Bears send the number one overall pick to Frank Reich's Carolina Panthers. Panthers, obviously, um, searching for their franchise quarterback. And to get that pick, they sent Chicago a lot. The Bears receive star receiver DJ Moore, the Panthers' ninth overall pick in this draft, pick number 61 overall in this draft, a 2024 first-rounder and a 2025 second-rounder. So the Panthers jump literally everybody, but also the Indianapolis Colts as they um, now have their pick of the quarterbacks in this draft. Obviously, Houston sits at number two, and they're in the market for a quarterback as well. Very likely that they'll select one. Mike, at best, the Colts now are looking at the third quarterback in this draft. What are your thoughts on the trade? First of all, could the Colts have even competed with this offer? Well, I, the easy answer is no, and that's because Carolina was coming up from nine. So what, whatever they were going to give to move up that far was just going to there, – there's no way – I shouldn't say no, there's no way. Very unlikely the Colts would have put something together uh, to compete. I'm a little surprised Carolina or the Bears decided to slide back to nine. That, that's a long way to go. Now maybe they maybe they try to go back up a few spots, but it just would have been hard for the Colts to compete with that kind of package again because the Panthers had to come up a long way. And from what I heard, just just from looking at all the reports, DJ Moore was a major major part of this deal. Well, would the Colts have given up Michael Pittman? I I, I don't know. My my guess is no. But Even it's if just they hard. did, DJ Moore is better than Michael Pittman. Agreed, agreed. So, it, it, but, but again, the fact that Carolina came so far, it would have been hard for the Colts to come up with something comparable, only moving up three spots. Yeah, yeah. I look at this and I say it, it's very unlikely the Colts would have been able to compete because they don't have a DJ Moore to offer. I'm surprised Carolina did offer DJ Moore. I don't know who their young quarterback is going to be throwing to now. That's a huge piece to ship away as you try and revamp your offense with the quarterback. Um, but I think that's really what moved the needles for the Bears to go ahead and say, okay, let's do this now in March, even though we could have 
you know, drawn this out until draft day if they wanted to. But the opportunity to get a star wide receiver like DJ Moore, who's still young, pair him with your young quarterback. I mean, DJ's probably worth a first rounder himself. So really, value wise, they got three first round picks if you consider DJ Moore worth a first round pick and uh, two second rounders there. Let's talk about how this impacts the Colts. Like I said, uh, they're looking at, at best, the third quarterback off the board. Obviously, we don't know how their careers are going to turn out, so I don't want to say the third best quarterback. Um, we've seen many drafts where the third or fourth quarterback drafted ended up having the best career of everyone in his draft class. But um, now you look at that Arizona spot right ahead of the Colts, number three, and any other team in the market for a quarterback in this draft has to be targeting that Arizona draft pick to try and jump the Colts or jump whoever else wants to get into the market there. Do you think the Colts have to find a way to make a deal with Arizona to ensure themselves uh, their third quarterback? Again, this this is all – it all hinges on how does Chris Ballard and the Colts value these quarterbacks – you know, if you think they're all sort of on the same level, then you stay at four and you take whatever's there. You know, and now you're you're not going to get the top two quarterbacks, even though again, will the Colts have these? The top, whoever goes one and two, will they have those guys ranked as their top two quarterbacks? So, but the the, the safest thing, obviously, is to trade with Arizona, and then you're back in control of. Of, of that pick of, of the third quarterback, however you have him ranked, I keep going back to that because that's all that matters. Now, again, I've already heard things now that, you know, Frank Reich is really enthralled with Anthony Richardson. I just can't, I can't believe that I, I can't believe that somebody will use the first overall pick on a, on a quarterback who's just an athletic freak. But once he started, 12 games is that if I have it right so so I don't know uh and we'll and again as far as what Arizona is going to want moving up from four to three won't take a ton it, it just shouldn't I've not looked at the trade chart what it would take and all that but if somebody comes from further down they're going to offer Arizona more so so that, that's where the Colts are they may be at four remember when, when we talked to Chris Ballard at the combine he says hey Everybody's already got us moving up and this, that, and the other. But who's to say we don't stay at four and get our guys? So so we'll see. But the safest thing is to move up to three, but but it won't be in a vacuum. And other teams might want that third pick. Yeah, you know, I have a lot of thoughts when this trade was made and continue to work through it in my mind. Uh, as I've stated on this podcast, I'm not a huge fan of Will Levis and – I'm not a scout. I could totally be wrong. He might end up being the best quarterback in this draft, but I certainly have diagnosed myself with Carson Wentz PTSD, and Levis reminds me of Carson Wentz quite a bit. And who knows how they're going to go? I mean, maybe the Panthers take Will Levis. You know, Frank Wright falls in love with his new Carson Wentz. Um, We have no idea. I think a lot of people just assume Stroud and Young are going to be the first two quarterbacks off the board. I think a lot of people have Richardson as the next guy after that. But NFL teams show every draft season that their rankings are all that matters when they're on the board and and when they're drafting. Um, So 
I've been just trying to talk myself into Will Levis a little bit. If the Colts do just sit at four and someone jumps ahead of them for, you know, whoever that next pick is, I've been thinking a lot more about Hendon Hooker, who if it wasn't for the ACL he tore, um, I believe in November, would be regarded, you know, as one of these top quarterbacks. It wouldn't be a top four. It would be a top five, I believe, if Hendon Hooker didn't tear his ACL. Um, how much does that play into the evaluation? Could Chris Ballard shock us all and take stud defensive end Will Anderson at four and then trade back up into the end of the first round for a Hendon Hooker? Um, I, I think that's a possibility. And all, when I think that, the more I think of that versus just sticking at four and taking Will Levis, the more I kind of warm up to it. Um, there's a lot of options still on the board here. And then there's also the possibility that we're overvaluing these quarterbacks. Around this time last year, everyone just assumed that Malik Willis was going to be a first-round pick up there with Kenny Pickett last year. Mil Willis ends up going in the third round. I think Pickett was the only quarterback taken in the first round, and I'm not even sure there was any quarterback taken in the second round last year. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of speculation going on right now, a lot of fluid movement, um, but it certainly was a huge shakeup to see Carolina go from nine to one as they secure their chance to draft uh, the quarterback of their choosing. You know, what's crazy, and, and you mentioned it, and, and it wouldn't be that crazy for, again, I don't think there's any question that, that everyone always overvalues quarterbacks in the draft. They just do. Sam Darnold, you know, the Jets have done that. They've reached twice in the last, what, five years, is it? And that's why they, they, they're, they're loading up and, and, and are getting Aaron Rodgers. But it would be so in character for Ballard to stay at four and draft the best player in the draft, whoever it is, because it's not one of the quarterbacks. The, the, the top player, the top, I don't know, three or four aren't quarterbacks. So you can get a, that pass rusher. You can get a left tackle. And then, like you said, then, then get the Tennessee kid. I don't know if I'd wait until the second round. I, I, I would, I would want to move up. If I'm going to do that, I'm going to be bold and move up to get him. Yeah. Move back into the first, get yourself that fifth-year option and all that. And, and, and the fan base would probably revolt, but but value-wise, that probably makes the most sense to do. Maybe maybe what would make more sense is to, to trade back from four to like six or seven. I, and I've not looked at the draft board to see who they'd trade with and pick up a few more picks and still get a darn good, a really good player. But if they do that, you know, if they go that route, which again, I, I'd, I'd say, yeah, okay, I can see that. But but then, what is your plan B at quarterback? And Gardner Minshew, you know, Andy Dalton's already resigned. What did he go to Carolina? Yeah, I think it was Marcus Mariota. What? And then you're you're aiming, if not. You expect for Hooker, but then maybe you're in position next year to get a, a really good quarterback. I don't know. But you're going to have to really do some explaining about what you're doing at quarterback because the fan base is – and, and the owner, everybody, is sick and tired of spinning their wheels and even going backwards regressing at quarterback. And 
if they don't take a quarterback at four or move up to three to get one, it's clear that next year is going to be more than a developmental year. It's going to be another 4-12-1 type season because you're not going to have the talent at quarterback to get you to the playoffs. I don't, I, 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 it'd be hard to imagine that. So I, I, I saw some, a conversation with Stephen Holder and he, and he's spot on. I think he and Kevin Bowen talked about it is what are these guys doing? And, and I agree that they've not done a very good job of, of explaining what the plan is. Are, are, are they in serious reboot boot mode? to where they're going to take a step back next year, which seems kind of scary considering what they went through last year. But Or are they trying to stay relevant while they do this re, re, rebuild, not a reboot? So it's really a diff, difficult situation. And from talking to the owner over the last year, he wants to draft his own and develop his own. He, he is tired of the recycled quarterbacks. And, and if you go with the Tennessee kid back of the first round, second round, it increases the importance of bringing in a veteran who can keep your, your head above water. So th- this, this is, th- this is major. And, and again, the owner has already shown his trust in Chris Ballard by, by bringing him back. He didn't blow it up. He brought Chris Ballard back and said, fix this, get us back to where we need to go. But there still has to be a sense of urgency on, on how much patience will there be. To, I always thought that bringing him back and going with a young quarterback meant at least two years for the GM. At, at least three stretching it to me if you're not showing super progress. So th- this is fascinating. You know, we may have talked about last year or last week Lamar Jackson. I just, I just can't, I just can't see that happening because of the, I don't. I don't believe he's actually even available. You know, I, I don't disagree. I, I think again, one of the reasons that teams don't don't like to to deal with tenders or franchise tags is you're you're generally negotiating a contract for the original team. So I, it's hard for me to believe that that Baltimore finally you know has their guy, and they're going to let him go, even for two for two first round draft picks. Because if you haven't got a quarterback, you can't compete, as the Colts have found out. They can't compete at a necessary level. So th- this is fascinating. And the bottom line is what what the trade, the Bears-Panthers trade, what that did, it just eliminated a, a major option for the Colts to move up to one. And, again, from talking to Chris Ballard, and I believe him, I believe him, he would have moved up for the guy – if he was convinced that that guy was the, the next guy for the next eight to 10 years, he wasn't going to do it out of desperation, even though they're in a desperate mode. So this next six weeks is going to be fascinating. Yeah, it will be. And I understand when I look at the Carolina trade, why the Colts couldn't necessarily compete with that. Um, it, but it kind of brings me flashbacks of the Matthew Stafford trade when we said, you know, the Colts couldn't compete with that. And then if someone jumps ahead of them, for the number three pick, and then all of a sudden two teams jumped ahead of you for a quarterback, at a certain point it's shame on you for not doing what you have to do 
to secure a quarterback. And you can't think of it as in, well, we're just trading up one spot. The, the spot is irrelevant. You're trading up for a specific quarterback, as is the other team. So um, just going, oh, why would we give up all that to go from the fourth pick to the third pick? It, it doesn't matter what the pick is. It matters which quarterback you get, and that's going to impact your franchise for the next three, four, five years. Um, so it, it's fascinating as we go through this and put our GM caps on and wonder what Chris Ballard and company are thinking up there, how they're ranking the quarterbacks. Um, could they take someone else at four and then maybe go after a Hendon Hooker or trade down? And, you know, if they like Hooker better than Levis, you, you know, I don't want to say who cares about the ACL, but that's not a career-ending in injury by any means. I saw reports he's supposed to be ready around the start of the season. Most rookie quarterbacks sit a few games anyway. If you thought he was better than Levis before the ACL, you should probably still consider him better after the ACL and take him in the first round to get that extra contract year. So it's just another thing to think about. Um, I, I don't think Chris Ballard and the Colts are – boxing themselves into the first four quarterbacks in the draft they're going to explore all options and I saw a report that they have a top 30 visit with Hendon Hooker and I'm sure they'll visit with all the quarterbacks in this draft but that's certainly a possibility you know that that's what what drives this all and I'll continue to say it is whatever they do or don't do will tell us volumes about how they they value these quarterbacks that's a, it, it it's one thing for all the draft analysts who, who they, they work their ass off, whether it's Kuyper or Todd McShay or Daniel Jeremiah, they do their work and, and they really do. So, so, so I do trust that, but, but how, how does, how does Chris Ballard and his people and Shane Steichen look at these guys and whatever they do or don't do is going to tell us that they either agreed that there are four quarterbacks, maybe five with, with hooker, maybe that, but not with a top four or five pick. But if they sit still, it's going to tell me that they maybe thought they were two quarterbacks worthy and and there was a big drop-off after one and two. What does Hancock Health's membership in the Mayo Clinic Care Network mean for you? It means our independent health network now has access to the knowledge and resources of the world leader in medicine. It means your Hancock Health doctor can now consult with the Mayo Clinic specialist to confirm a diagnosis or treatment plan. And it means together we're making health possible for you. Learn more about our new clinical collaboration at hancockregional.org slash mayoclinic. Need new windows? Contact your hometown team today. Hometown Window and Doors are Central Indiana's premier, locally-owned, full-service Anderson window dealer with master installers. From design to installation, the hometown team handles it all. They carry unlimited options with competitive pricing. Call them direct to get 25% off your windows if you call within the next 60 days. Hometown Windows and Doors gives you all the perks of a national brand with that hometown feel. Visit them at Hometown Window Team dot com today all right mike it's time to dive into free agency trades we got all kinds of deals going on we we moved the timing of this podcast so that we could be recording when the 4 p.m new league year hits to see if there's any last second uh cuts or deals that the colts may decide to make um let's go ahead and start with 
uh, a big trade. They ship off star cornerback Stephon Gilmore to the Dallas Cowboys for a fifth-round pick. This move clears nearly $10 million in cap space. And the more you look at it, the more it makes sense considering Gilmore, while still playing at a very high level, he'll be 33 in September. He had just one year left on his contract. No longer fits within the Colts' timeline of when they expect to be an actual contender. So Gilmore gets to go to a team that does have actual realistic Super Bowl hopes, and the Colts get $10 million in cap space to either sign some of their own two extensions, um, add some other players to their roster. What were your thoughts when you saw this trade come through the come down the pike? I, I guess good for Gilly. Uh, and it's really, he, he, he was the best corner they've had since Vontae Davis had that Pro Bowl year. Uh, he, 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 he won them, had a big hand in winning, what, three or four games, two or three games, three I think it was anyway. Especially the Denver game. Right. And just a solid player, and he's one of those guys that I'm guessing in November was thinking, what the heck did I get myself into? Because he was coming to a team that a lot of us thought, again, would at least at least contend for the division. Didn't happen. Good for him. Uh, again, they, they, they get a fifth-round pick for a guy that was going to be a free agent. And like you said, that barring the unforeseen, they won't compete for the d- division next year. So it gives them some flexibility. So I, I think it's a win-win uh, for both the Colts and for, for Gilmore. Also yesterday, a report dropped that the Colts are expected to release quarterback Matt Ryan. I saw this and said, well, duh. Um, We've been talking the, about that for a month. Yeah, at least a month, probably since November. Uh, we've been talking about that. Uh, I, but we'll say it again. The move would clear $17 million in cap space. The Colts would pay Ryan $35 million if he stayed on the roster. He might not be the only one. Other potential cap casualties include cornerback Kenny Moore, center Ryan Kelly, and tight end Mo Alley-Cox. We'll keep an eye on Twitter uh, to see if anything, any news breaks as we approach that 4 p.m. deadline there. The Colts certainly hitting a bit of a reset button. I would expect most of these moves to happen on the defensive side. This is why just last week my guy was talking about that cornerback position. Going to be a position need. All of a sudden, Gilmore's gone. Kenny Moore, I would expect to be gone. Um, another cornerback, Brandon Faison, is gone. He signed with the back with the Raiders after a uh, maybe below average, I'd call it, season with the Colts, had a few starts with them. Uh, another linebacker, uh, or, you know, a linebacker, Bobby Okariki, signed with the New York Giants on a pretty good deal. Four years, $40 million, 22 guaranteed. He had 151 total tackles in 2022, which ranked 10th in the NFL. Um or is it okay? Okay, I can never remember. Okay, okay, yes. Thank you for correcting me. Whichever one I say is usually the wrong one. Um, but he was a player who a lot of people liked. But with all the money they have sunk into Shaq Leonard, with how Franklin played as a starter last year, um, he was a guy who all of a sudden became a bit expendable. So, you know, sh- sort of like Anthony Walker a few years ago. Yeah, didn't really, get the deal. Got a much better deal than Walker. No question. But, well, probably more of a complete linebacker, better in coverage. But it, it, it's just – I remember back in the day when the Colts were really, really hitting on linebackers. Uh, 
Mike Peterson and Marcus Washington and on David Thornton. And it's when you draft really good players, but then when it comes time to re-sign them, they want, you know, above market what you think they're worth. So good for them. That That's what you want. And we haven't gotten there yet, but but then – and a lot of this has fallen into place. Neither one of us expected Okereke to be back, but we expected DJ Speed to be back. And yeah. he is. So so that's kind of played out the way we anticipated. Two-year deal for EJ Speed worth up to $8 million. So um, a, a nice you know pay increase for him as well as much more affordable price um, when comparing to Bobby there. Uh, and Speed played well when he had his opportunities. 2022, a 78.4 pro football focus grade. Um, played all 17 games in last season, had five starts, career high tackles with 63. So uh, I feel fine about this linebacker group going into next season, even if it is led by Franklin and Speed and, you know, Shaq. Uh, you know, if the worst happens and he's not able to get back out there, I, I feel fine about Franklin and Speed considering most of the time there's only two linebackers on the field anyway and you have three cornerbacks uh, not feeling so confident about the cornerbacks right now, but that's a discussion for another show. And then I assume they'll probably draft some linebackers late uh, in this draft anyway. I, I believe Franklin was a seventh-round pick. Speed was a fifth-round pick. So they've been getting good production out of late-round linebackers. But they need Shaq to be back. I mean, th- for this group to be what it needs to be, Shaq needs to be back and be the player he was. Uh, if that's the case, I- I'm fine with the linebackers. If not... Then all of a sudden you're asking – now Zaire showed that he's quality and he can do it. But then you're asking EJ Speed to really, really change what his role has been. But that, that's that's what you, you hope these guys do. But you, you need the impact players, the star players, which what Sha- was what Shaq is. I asked Chris Ballard's combine about Shaq because he, he, he's roughly the same time out from the last surgery – about three and a half, four months, I think it is, that he was from the first surgery last June when he came back and practiced and played. So they've got to know. They've got to have a really, really good idea that, boy, he's back. That he, There's every reason to believe he'll be back. Or here we are again and we don't know. And if they're sitting here today and they don't know about Shaq, that's a problem. That's a problem. But, uh, again, good for EJ Speed. It's really kind of crazy. These two late round linebackers, Shaq and Zaire, or not Shaq, but but uh, EJ and, and Zaire, get second contracts. Now they're you know they're, they're not massive over the top, but, but to get a second contract, late round pick is, is kudos to them for doing the special teams work and then working your way into the defense. Yeah, another defender here coming back off of an injury and um, hopefully will be able to make an impact for the Colts in 2023. Tyquan Lewis re-signs with the team. Uh, second offseason in a row, he signed a one-year deal to stay in Indianapolis. He's finished the last two seasons on IR with a torn patellar tendon, but when he's healthy, he's a quality rotational defensive end. So um, it was you know only a $2 million deal for Lewis, so it doesn't cost the team too much to bring him back. And um, he gets to stay in Indianapolis where he's been able to have an impact so long as his knees hold up. Um, some more players the Colts have brought back. Uh, talk about, you know, uh, Doolin 
undrafted player, he gets a second contract from the Colts. Two years worth up to $9 million. Had career highs last year with 15 catches for 200 yards, and he's also a special team standout. So uh, can help the Colts in two ways there. Uh, his pro football focus grade last season, 71.6. So really a solid player who we've seen at times can stretch the field. And I feel fine with him being a number four wide receiver. Yeah, that's the, the that you're right. I, I, I would not think this impacts the need at the position at all. You still need a three, you, whether it's bringing back Paris Campbell, whether it's finding a veteran in a very, very thin market. But, and I wouldn't be real keen if they stay at four, drafting another receiver at, in the second round. That's, I mean, th- then you're having Michael Pittman and then a couple of really young guys at two and three. So, uh, but, uh, yeah, I think Doolin's a great, you know, versatile player that can do a lot of things, but I, I just can't say, well, we're, we're better off at receiver because we we got Ashton back. You still need more there. Still need more there. We'll see. I saw the Colts are one of the teams with interest in Adam Thielen, who, you know, he, he not as fast as he once was, but I think would be a great addition. He can play the slot and kind of be that veteran of the group, which is which is needed in Indianapolis with as you mentioned, the youth at the position. He also didn't he visit with uh, Frank and Carolina as well. He's he's meeting with a few teams. I'm sure Frank Wright would love to poach uh, Thielen away from the Colts. But uh, another re-signing here, of course they prioritized bringing back Carter O'Donnell, the undrafted offensive lineman from 2020 who's been with the team but has never played in an NFL game. So um, I assume he'll be either at the bottom of the roster or on the practice squad, but they like him, so they keep him around. Uh, They have brought in some exterior talent. The first signing that made a splash was kicker Matt Gay. Four years, $22.5 million. His yearly average of $5.6 million ranked second all-time among kickers. Uh, only Baltimore's Justin Tucker makes more on a per-year basis with $6 million. So they're paying Gay a lot, but if he kicks like he did with the Rams, he's going to be worth it. The 28-year-old has been one of the NFL's best kickers over the past three years, 92.5% on field goals during that time, and he's missed just two of 99 PATs over his career, his 878 Field goal percentage is fifth best in NFL history. And he's also 17 of 23 from 50 plus. I've seen a lot of people on Twitter complaining about giving a kicker that much money. Five mil a year is not going to set you back from a salary cap standpoint. And now Chris Ballard finally, I think, is exhaling, saying, ah, I don't have to worry about kicker being an issue anymore. Yeah, the, the initial reaction was, "Are you crazy? You're, you're, you're now you've got like the second highest paid kicker ever behind Justin Tucker, and and so what? You know, we all thought it's crazy. We all thought, I think almost universally, that the one free agent they had to bring back was Chase McLaughlin because of how well he played. Okay, if that was your stance, how can you be upset?" with bringing in a better kicker than Chase, and that's not to disrespect Chase. He did everything they asked him to do and more last year. And this is not like overpaying a guard and giving him $15 million. 
or, or, or a defensive end and giving him 15 or 18, whatever else, it, it, it's a kicker. And, and it, it's what, roughly $5 million, five and a half a year, whatever it is. But for the next four years, barring injury, you don't worry about it. And how many games has this team lost because of kicking over the last four or five years? You know, too many. So, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with it. I, I really am. Now, if that would had been the only the only major free agent signing, okay, then, then go crazy. But this was just one of the things. And, again, the fact that it's $5 million in roster building terms, that's not going to keep you from doing anything else. So, and again, over the last four years, they've had this this instability. As much as it has been at quarterback, it's been at kicker as well. So this takes care of it. It reminds me very much, very much of the Colts' Bill Polian signing Adam Vinatieri in 2006, which, which at the time he signed one of the biggest uh, contracts for a kicker because you – then it's taken care of. Now, the, the teams are vastly different. Back then, that was a, obviously a Super Bowl team. This team is not. But uh, anyone who complains about this just doesn't like kickers. Yeah, I mean, I, I think $5 million, $5.5 million, whatever, a year for a guy who's making 90% of his kicks, uh, I'll take that all day. That that's easy. Five million a year is not something you really even have to plan for. Most teams have more than five million a year in dead cap, let alone tied up in a, a player who's actually being productive and is impacting uh, points almost every time he's on the field for you. So, um, uh, Matt Gay makes the Colts better. Another guy who hopefully will make the Colts better, better defensive end Samson Abukum. I believe is how you say his name. Uh, have you have you memorized how to spell it yet, Mike? Or yes, Ebu <laughs> Cam. So I'll be in good shape. Great. He gets a three-year deal worth up to twenty-seven million dollars, about eleven million guaranteed. Abukum will turn twenty-eight in March. He had a career-high five sacks last year for the 49ers in a rotational role, thirteen quarterback hits, and that was on just fifty-nine percent of snaps. The previous three seasons, he had exactly four and a half sacks. Now, per, per, per Sports Info Solutions, Bukum had 47 quarterback pressures last year on 340 pass rush snaps. For comparison, Yannick Ngakwe had 41 on 406 pass rush snaps. Um, and Bukum's PFF grade was 69 last year. Mike, we were talking about the Colts and the need to add a rotational pass rusher. They did just that by getting a bookum from the 49ers. Probably an upgrade maybe over Ngakwe, I mean, a little bit younger. Uh, and we've talked, and this is, again, I, I don't mean to pile on Ngakwe, but I'm not sure I can remember a, a team leading nine and a half sacks having less impact. I, I just thought there were too many times that, that – that, that he wasn't a factor. It still amazes me that the team had, what was it, 32 or 33 sacks, which is the second most in franchise history, because it just didn't feel that. So I think they look at adding this guy with, with uh, Pay and, and Dio and Taekwon Lewis. Uh, is going to be a pretty good group. I don't know if any, any one of these guys projects as being a, the 10 to 12 sack guy. I don't know. 
But I, I like the move, and it, 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 I was kind of looking. I, I can't find my stats right now. But maybe this is like the Danico Autry signing several years ago, which which might be one of the Ballard's best free agent signings. Uh, Jabal Sherrod and, and Danico, but uh, I I think it's a good it's a good pickup. Yeah, I'm a fan of it as well. I've seen several of the indie media come out on Twitter and say it reminds them of the Danico signing, where he was a good rotational player for the Raiders, and then came to the Colts and really became a quality quality starter went on to get an even bigger contract from the Titans. Um, hopefully, Bukum can follow in a, a similar role. And I think, you know, him and uh, Dio Odangbo will kind of share time initially. They can always slide in Odangbo inside to pass rush next to Buckner um, on obvious passing downs. I think Pay, you know, providing he stays healthy, will kind of be that every down defensive end. And Probably has the best chance of getting you that 10 to 12 sacks. He was certainly really, really good last year when he was on the field. It was just injuries limited his time. So um, a little bit of pass rush help for the Colts. And and that's all they've done so far. I've not seen any news break as we approach 4 p.m. Sitting here at 3.55 right now. So we'll keep an eye on that. But there's been plenty of movement across the NFL. Um, some names that we discussed in the preview show no longer available. Um, here's, here's one that just came across. Uh, Brown's defensive tackle, Taven Bryan, reaches a one-year agreement. One year, $4.5 million with the Colts. So they added more defensive line help. Okay, Taven Bryan, I believe, if I'm not wrong, was a former first-round pick of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, coming out of Florida, so a former first-round pick, a guy with a lot of talent, and hopefully someone who, if Buckner misses time or even just to spell Buckner, can provide some athleticism on the interior of that defensive line. Um, so Dave and Brian, Taven Bryan coming in, uh, I see it here too, $4.5 million. Not sure how much of that is guaranteed. One-year deal. So there it is, Mike. There is the blockbuster news we've been waiting for all day no it's it's a fine signing they're continuing to add to that front as chris ballard is always talking about um he says he wants to be eight or nine deep and i think he's trying to make sure of it this year need new windows let the hometown team help hometown windows and doors is central indiana's premier locally owned full service anderson dealer with master installers from design to installation we handle it all carrying nationally known brands like anderson with more options and competitive pricing Call us direct and get 25% off your windows if you buy within the next 60 days. Please contact your hometown team today. We are Central Indiana's premier, locally owned, full-service Anderson dealer. National brand, hometown feel. The story of Hancock Health is all about you and everything you need to live your healthiest life. Like Hancock Regional, one of the nation's safest hospitals and an independent health network with over 70 doctors at more than 30 locations around East Central Indiana. We're growing and evolving to help further your story. And we're just getting started. See all the ways Hancock Health and you can work together to make health possible at HancockHealth.org. Mike, are you surprised the Colts haven't done more uh, to address the offensive line thus far? Thus far, uh, uh, again, it's, they're they're just notorious for bargain shopping. They just are. They're they're not going to overpay. There have been some times that they 
thought about overpaying. They didn't, and it proved to be the right thing. I think they need to come out of free agency with a starting right guard. I just Agreed. do. And, and, and again, a, a receiver that, that has done it that you can rely on. So th- those are the two areas. Cause, you know, get, getting Ekubon and, and, and for, for your pass rush and, and, and the kicker, I, the, the two areas, again, but like you said, they need corners. They're really getting. They're really short on corners with 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 experience. So, but they're not done yet. We're, we're three days, two and a half days into free agency. So we'll see where this thing winds up. Yeah, some names off the board specifically. You know, a lot of the big t- name guards are gone. Ben Powers from Baltimore signed a big deal with Denver, fifty-two million over four years. If he reaches the max of that contract, Nick Davis from Tennessee goes to Chicago. Um, Connor McGovern goes to Buffalo. Will Hernandez goes to uh, or stays with, that is, the Arizona Cardinals. Obviously, there's the guard we're all talking about from uh, um, the Eagles, uh, Isaac Sumalo. He's still available. He's still out there, widely considered the top guard in this class. Um, So we'll see what kind of deal he gets. But considering what Ben Powers got, he might be too expensive for the Indianapolis Colts. I'm sure they're not going to want to sink a ton of money into that guard position. Uh, bridge quarterback is another position that's going to be important for the Colts. And a lot of names have flown off the board there as well. The top one, Jimmy Garoppolo, goes to the Raiders. Three years, $67 million, 34 of that guaranteed. I'm not sure how that impacts the Raiders' draft plans. Um, they very well might still draft a quarterback and just let Jimmy G start for a year or two until that quarterback is ready. Taylor Heineke goes to the Falcons. Baker Mayfield to the Buccaneers. Uh, Andy Dalton, as you mentioned, to Carolina. Sam Darnold to San Francisco. Mike White to Miami. But there's a few names still out there. Minshew from Philadelphia makes a lot of sense, uh, given his time spent with Shane Steichen. Teddy Bridgewater is still out there. Marcus Mariota is still out there. So the Colts have options at quarterback still. You know, so, one one thing on that, my preference is to go ahead and get your veteran quarterback. Whether it's Minshew, whether it's Mariota, you're going to pay what you're going to pay. And by waiting a month or whatever, the, the pool is going to be, you know, drained even more. So it's, it's – Get your guy that you're really comfortable with, a Minshew or Mariota, whatever, as that short-term guy. Because, again, as we found out, if if you wait, there's not going to be as much quality to to bring in to help you get to what you want to do. Yeah, and we'll see. Maybe they see a lot of these guys as pretty similar. They'll let the big contracts fly off the board, and then opportunities to start a few games are are going to be limited for these quarterbacks as well. So maybe – um, they'll get a guy for like one year, five million, um, instead of some of these deals. I think Heineke got twenty million over two years. Um, so we'll see about that. The wide receivers coming off the board. Jacoby Myers was the first big one to sign, uh, three years, thirty-three million with the Raiders, and then Juju Smith-Schuster ends up taking his place in New England on a very similar deal. Robert Woods is in Houston now. Um, but as we mentioned, Adam Thielen's out there. Paris Campbell's still not signed at this time, so maybe there's a chance he comes back. I like the idea of bringing in McCole Hardman 
just a guy with some speed, some run after the catch ability to add just a, a different flavor to that wide receiver group. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens there. I'm sure the Colts don't want to spend big money, but they'll add to that position. Um, some big deals for offensive tackles. I mean, a few of the guys we thought might be reasonable, you know, reasonably priced swing tackles are getting big money. Andre Dillard signed with the Titans three years, nearly $30 million for a guy who uh, was drafted in the first round but didn't end up being the Eagles starter, was a backup there. Um, Kelvin Beecham, I've been bringing his name up a few times leading up into this, thinking he's a guy who could be a nice swing tackle, reliable veteran, probably won't cost too much, didn't cost too much. He stays with Arizona just two years, $5 million, but maybe he just felt comfortable there and wanted to stay home. Uh, maybe the Colts think he's done and I'm an idiot. Who knows? Um, uh, the biggest money we've seen at tackles so far, Jawan Taylor leaves the Jaguars. Goes to Kansas City, four years, $80 million, 60 of that guaranteed, as the Chiefs appear to be ready to move on from both their starting tackles from their Super Bowl teams. Orlando Brown is out there as a free agent, and their right tackle, Andrew Wiley, signed with Washington. A lot of movement. We talked about maybe Ryan Kelly being cut or traded by the Colts. Well, a couple of the top free agent centers are already gone. Ethan Pockett, Pochich? I'm not sure how to say that, but uh, he resigns with Cleveland three years, $18 million. Very reasonable deal there. Garrett Bradbury resigns with Minnesota. So a few of the options at center are off the board. Um, Mike, do you think they're done at defensive end? I would imagine uh, between the four they have, Lewis, um, their new signing, uh, help me out here, Abukum? Yes, Abukum. Uh, and then obviously Dio and Quiddy Pay as he assumed starters there. I wouldn't think they'd be adding too much, um, I don't know, too much more at that position. No, again, because you do have to, you have to, you have to address the entire roster, and they have issues elsewhere as we as we've gone through. So, and obviously, once you get a Bukum and Gakwe isn't coming back, that, that's not going to happen. So yeah, I I think they've done what they wanted to do, and they've done it. The way they've done it. I mean, if you want to see if Bukum is gets a contract similar to what Houston got, and and and, and of course, Ngakwe wasn't a free agent; he was he was a trade. But and then they're going to bank on these young kids. They they need Dio and Quiddy to really they need Quiddy to stay healthy, and Dio to really make that step in. And this his third year, and boy, you just hope that Taekwon Lewis can stay healthy because he gives you so much versatility. So uh, you know, they don't they, they they lack that that guy who's gonna you know he's gonna get his fourteen sacks every year, but they're gonna do it by committee and you know you kind of like what they've got here. Yeah, not a bad group defensive line, uh, looking to maybe be the strongest position on that defense as we head in, not knowing whether Shaq will be available. You know, we haven't talked a ton about cornerbacks just because we didn't know if Gilmore would be back or not, but. You know, looking at it now, Isaiah Rogers, uh, you can kind of pencil him in as a starter, and then I don't know who else. I assume Dallas Flowers. <laughs> da Dallas Flowers for now, if they had to play today. Um, I would assume they would bring in some veterans on, uh, I guess, bargain deals. I don't think they're going to spend big money on a quarterback if they weren't willing to pay 
Gilmore 10 million this year. They're not going to turn around and then give that to somebody else considering how well Gilmore played. So they're probably going to wait out cornerback a little bit and uh, see who's remaining after teams have spent their money and get a few bargain deals just to get some, you know, I don't want to say warm bodies, but just to get somebody out there and then cornerback is a position down the road they're going to have to address. I'm just not sure they're going to be able to find long-term answers this year. Well, you, you talked about Ruckus in. Is it possible he comes back? But it's not going to be the big contract guy. It's just not. Uh, it's kind of risky to do that. Does this impact Kenny Moore? I don't know because he's not really an outside guy. So, uh, again, that that's you pointed out that might be outside a quarterback the most glaring area that needs to be addressed. Yeah, it certainly is. And, you know, we've also talked about as uh, Chris Bella kind of remolds this team here, what makes sense to prioritize. I think you mean Dave all agree that it makes most sense to prioritize the offense. And so if you have to go for a few years where you just get below average to bad cornerback play, but that means you spend money fixing the offense and giving whatever young quarterback you have the best chance at success possible, so be it. I mean, whatever it takes to make sure the quarterback you bring in has all the tools he needs to be successful, I think is what you got to do. And so the Colts suddenly have a little bit more money at their disposal. We expect them to have more money soon. We are currently six minutes uh, seven minutes past 4 p.m. I just got a notification. The commanders signed Jacoby Brissett, former quarterback. I did not expect him to return to Indianapolis, but potential starter there in Washington, a guy who played really well for Cleveland last year. Um, so that's another quarterback domino to fall. We'll uh, by what you think? Probably by this time next week when we're speaking again, I expect the Colts to have signed some quarterback to their roster. Yeah, because, again, I, I just think it doesn't serve a purpose to wait, you know, thinking, well, you know, if we wait another two or three weeks, the price will go down. I just think that's not the best business practice. If you really like one of these guys, Minshew, Mariota, whatever, to, to, to kind of hold the the fort next year until the, whatever rookie's ready, just go and do it and don't penny pinch. Uh, normally the backup quarter quarterback is, is a guy you hope doesn't play much. Well, the backup quarterback guy here will play uh, in, in 2023. Yeah, speaking of quarterbacks, Matt Ryan, uh, he, you know, they did not need to cut him by the 4 p.m. deadline. His contract is actually March 17th is when he needs to be cut before that extra $17 million that they could save um, is fully guaranteed to Ryan. Uh, Mike, any chance at all the Colts decide to keep Ryan? I mean, I would put it below 1%. Yeah, yeah, uh, I agree. No, he's going to be gone. It, it makes no sense either from a roster standpoint, from a financial standpoint. He would be a great, great, great coach to have helping with a young quarterback, not at $35 million. No, no. And after the year he had last year, I would say, you know, maybe they can restructure a contract of some time. I don't think he wants to come back either. It probably benefits both parties it ju- to start it just, fresh. It just didn't work, which we've heard. That's two years in a row that it just didn't work, probably for different reasons. But, uh, no, the, the, the Matt Ryan era in Indianapolis lasted just about a year to the day. Yeah. 
Yeah, slightly longer than Kenny Gilmore, uh, or not Kenny Gilmore, Stephon Gilmore. Um, you know, I, I would put Kenny Moore's chances of being released pretty close to Matt Ryan's. I just I think, think it's another eight million dollars if you you know in money. Another eight million, and he really just did not fit Gus Bradley's scheme last year. So um, they're going to have to find at least two new starters at quarterback. And it's not like Isaiah Rogers was a full full time starter last year. The rebuild uh, is on in Indianapolis. Hopefully a lot more of this will be official by the time we speak next week. Mike, as we wrap things up here, uh, what are your overarching thoughts on the Colts' uh, last few days or first few days of free agency, and what do you expect to see as we move forward into next week? What they've done is what they normally do. They're trying to strengthen the entire roster, which includes from the bottom up with with the Doolins and the – EJ Speeds and on and on. But what, what they've got to do is they, they need to add impact players. Now, whether the defensive end is one, I don't know. I still like the kicker. I, I just like the kicker. It's, it's it, He's got accuracy and, and leg strength. So, But they've, still, they've got to come out of here with a backup quarterback that you can win with and a right guard. Uh, the, the right guard cannot be on the roster. We've seen enough. We've seen enough of that. Don't tell me that. Well, maybe maybe if we leave Matt Pryor at right guard, it'll work. That that that's that's flawed expectations. So they're not done yet. But but they've been relatively busy. But they need to they need to add backup quarterback, right guard, receiver. Yeah, on a corner. So there there's still a lot of work to do. A lot of work to do. At, you know. Nothing new from Chris Ballard here, and if he goes based off of last year, maybe some of the most impactful signings won't come for another month, two months, three months. I mean, Gilmore was Gilmore was a little late there. Um, so some of these signings, the Colts really take their time on, um, so don't get caught up in the early free agent frenzy. They're going to work the bargains because this team is not, you know, it's not one player away from contending for that Super Bowl. Um, so they're going to make sure they do things that make sense for a team that's maybe thinking two to three years out. Um, and I know that's frustrating to say. It feels like we were just saying that not too long ago, that Chris Ballard is not going to overpay early. And um, it, it's weird saying the same things about Chris Ballard as the Colts have kind of gone through their very short-lived era of being relevant and a playoff team back down to the bottom of the NFL, but that's where they find themselves. And maybe if they can land that quarterback, they can quickly ascend once again. But for right now, um, they've they've got to do things that make sense for the long haul and not just uh, – it doesn't help you to be 8-8 eight and eight this year. 8-9, um, eight, eight and nine. we got 17 games. 8-9, and nine, sure. <laughs> but, but, and, and one thing fans need to keep in mind, we all do, is whenever we talk cap space, it's really about cash – what you can pay and all this, but they still are going to want to sign Michael Pittman and Jonathan Taylor to extensions. So, so that's got to be in the long term, not the long term, the short term budget as well. So, a lot yeah. of irons in the fire, but they've got work to do. I, they've got some really good players on this team, but the holes are in places that they just have got to address with not just knock around players, but with players who can hold their own on Sunday. Yeah, and I'm sure you know the the extension talks for Taylor and Pittman will pick up in the summertime. 
that's how they've done business recently is they'll extend players in the summer. So um, not expecting to see that over the next few weeks, but that will definitely be in mind as they decide how much money to spend on everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today. We will have much more news to discuss next week as free agency continues. Who knows? Maybe another big draft trade will happen between then and now. Um, I hope Dave Griffiths is able to join us next week so I don't have to do as much talking. And for Mike, for myself, thank you for listening to the Colts Blue Zone podcast. 